Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. We about stacked something more than pennies. We about stacked some dollar dollar bills, y'all. Atlanta this week. Uh, unfortunately, though, we didn't. Uh, we're going to be joined by the guy who threw a block on me and won all the pennies and all the dollars. Mr. Chase Elliott himself is joining the show, and I will see why he did not let me win that race. Also, we're going to talk about Ross Chastain versus everybody else in the field because he's just smashing everybody. Pit row boats and woes. Bunch of woes going on over there at JGR. 20 lost a wheel. Not very good. And also big breaking news. Breaking news. Tyler Reddick signed to 2311. But not next year. The year after that. So he is going to be the lame duck for 16 months. All that and more right here on Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're out here stacking packs. Hey, friends. I am Core of the Joy. If you don't know me, I'm the guy that almost won Atlanta. And then wrecked and finished uh, 21st. But what a day. What a day, Chuck. I am joined by some of my good friends, Mr. Chuck Bush. Howdy. Congratulations. Oh, my goodness, Chuck. We're... Yeah. We're damn close. Almost. It's right, just right there. Just a little bit more. Man, how close were you guys to beating the Redcoats last week when you were gone? Well, it, it, was, it wasn't the Redcoats. It was the Civil War, and, and we beat them. Of we course you them. did. We, we won. Attaboy. Gettysburg. Man. Yeah. That Spanish flu almost got you in the ninth. It did. It just came back. I <laughs> saw that Abe Lincoln brought the vampires up there. And oh, did. that was the he difference. The, he, they, they brought the stakes out, and it was the game changer. How's your cook of medium rare? Yeah, yeah, with a little monkfish <laughs> on your side. Okay. You know. Begrudgingly, we asked Jonathan Merriman to join the show again. I don't have to be here. <laughs> Maybe I do. I think you do. It's uh, good to see you. But I'm glad you're back. Yeah. I'm glad you're back. And then, uh, last but not least, front tire changer Ryan Blaney's pit road boats and analyst, Mr. Ryan Flores. Yeah, I was pulling for you. I felt like... Um... I felt like my team thought that I was pulling for you more than I was paying attention to our own car. Because you were. Maybe. Where do we start, boys? <sighs> Where don't you start? Well, let's just start and give our van who joined us on Second Pants a couple weeks ago, big dub, underdog win at Mid-Ohio, Mid Mr. Parker Clickerman. Round of applause. <laughs> Love to see him in victory lane. Uh, my man puts the work in and also, you know, turns around and he's talking about the cup race uh, the next day. So, Solid race. Solid race out of him. Solid day. Zane uh, Smith, kudos to Zane Smith for being an adult. A.K.A. not dumping somebody in the middle of straightaway and just racing like, you know, a good racer should. Not blasting the guy who's leading the race out of the way. Uh, and also Austin Hill, hometown kids from Georgia, uh, had a strong car in the Xfinity race and gets the dub. Good job, Austin. On to the main event, ladies and gentlemen. I don't really remember the first two stages because our goal all week was to essentially ride the first 1.8 segments and engage a little bit towards the end of the second and try to get a little bit of track position. And that's exactly what we did. And let me just say this, Ryan and I have talked about this couple last couple of days. It really was no coincidence uh, that we found ourselves in the position that we did. You don't just back your way into controlling a race or find yourself in the first couple lanes in the last – a uh, couple of restarts or last 50 laps by happenstance. When Ryan and I were talking about how to attack this race, when we both went and looked at it individually, I noticed that four out of the top five finishers in the first race were in the top six with 66 laps to go. Atlanta now, the way it races, 
you can talk about it, how it's a super speedway, but you have to have track position at the end of the race. Uh, but that track position comes, you know, with 60, 70 laps left in the race. So when our plan was to pit for four at the end of the second stage, and we knew then that that was the last time we were going to come down for tires. And we did gas only with like 70 to go. We went from seventh or eighth to first, and then we just maintained that track position the rest of the day. And through the amount of preparation, studying of the first race, and also just all the lessons I've learned over all the speedway races, it's like how to block lanes, how to do all that stuff. I knew how to do it, but until you're in it, like you don't really know how to do it. And it was cool to get a bit of a education from Chase Elliott and Martin Truex and you know, Ross is up there and it was just, it was cool to see the old seven car have some clean air. What'd you think about it, Merriman? Oh, I have a tear to your eye. I mean, uh, my heart rate was through the roof at the end of that race. It was pretty exciting. I do have a couple questions because we've talked about, you know, a motor B motor, whatever that is. What, what did you have under you that race? Could you have had anything more under you that race? Obviously, there's going to be a difference between a Spire car, Hendrick car, Gibbs car. But in terms of what you were sitting on, what was it compared to what was around you? Um, I thought that my stuff was a little bit – like the 9 was the class of the field all day. Noticeably had the fastest car, but racing around the 43, racing around the 1, even the 19, like my motor was comparable. I mean, we are on a – what would many would consider the A engine plan pretty much every week. Um, it's occasionally we are trying some R&D stuff that, you know, have has failed. It, it, I forgot where we – where we chunked one, but you know, we're the guinea pig sometimes, but most of the time, like we had this weekend, we had the same engine package, driveline package as the nine. Uh, and our car drove really good, similar to how it did in the first race. We brought the same exact setup back and lo and behold, it had some speed again, but we had to figure out a way to fabricate some track position and we did it and we were able to hold on to it and be, be aggressive when we needed to. And man, we almost, we almost pulled her off. So yeah, I, I didn't, I was not down for horsepower. I was not down for car. That was the best effort Spire had, and it showed up. I was I was concerned a few of those times. I think when you guys pitted for fuel only, I'm like, oh, man. I, like, I feel like he's going to get eat up. And then I think you took the bottom on the final restart. I'm like, oh, why did you take the bottom, not the top? Because the top, they talked all broadcast of how the top was – you could, if you stayed in the top lane, you weren't going to get shuffled. You weren't going to go to the back. So if you were leading, somebody made the pass, you'd end up second or third, right? So my question would be, why did you pick the bottom? It worked out. The only person that was benefiting from restarting the bottom was the leader. If you were third, fifth, seventh, you were you were exposed because you wouldn't be able to get up in the line because the top gets wound up quicker. But for the first three corners after a restart the bottom was the preferred group one because it's just shorter distance and if you could look in your mirror you you have to launch but you also as soon as you launch you had to start picking up your help so i'm i committed to the throttle in the restart zone and after i launch i'm looking at my mirror and dragging back to try to pick the one up because the quicker i can pick the one up and he get attached the quicker we can go drive by the outside lane and it happened twice like that the second uh, to the last restart, you weren't the control car, were you? No, the nineteen was the top. But your you you had your restart was like flawless. Hell yeah, dog. 
I've been waiting for this moment for yeah. six years. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he stumbled or spun the tires or what, but I felt like he beat him back to the line. I'm like, no, I think it was them getting hooked up. Yeah, it was just the one. It was the one. It was the one pushing me, and we both launched at the exact same time. Um, and I was just a lot of preparation, man. It's not, and it's not also not like stack of pennies, that <laughs> like is. all that stuff. But it's like it's not like that's my first restart in the front yeah. row. It's been a hell of a long time since I've done it in that position. In the certainly the, one of the first times I've done it in the Cup Series, but like being a control car. When the pit windows open, used to be a normal thing for me. You know what I mean? And when you're running a 30th place car on average, those opportunities go away. But when that opportunity was coming, uh, I wasn't going to piss it away. And I made sure to, you know, spin the tires, have my tires clean, launch at the right uh, angle and speed and all that stuff. Like, it wasn't just coincidence that I happened to have three great restarts and almost win that. Well, how, how do you feel afterwards? Race uh, car junked. Yeah. You lead in the race, had a chance to win, taken away. How, the how, the how ownership do you group it? doesn't like to hear this, but I'm more content that my shit came back on a flatbed 21st than had I been if I pushed the nine to a second or third. Uh, that's completely backwards, but I would it, rather shunted one. Is it though? Because, all right, so let's take those last 50 or so laps. Like you're in the mix, you're on TV, you're getting people talking about you. They see the car, they see the sponsors and all that, and you make – a move to go for the win on the last lap. That next flag that comes out, and taking the white flag, that's it. So you're either going for it or, like you said, you're content to. Well, I know stacking pennies doesn't originate from monetary stuff, but had I not finished fifth and got know what my percentage was uh, for finishing fifth, which I can build four or five seats and make the equivalent of what I got for fifth place, it was about a probably a five to six hundred thousand dollar difference if i won that race versus if i finished second i'm willing to make that gamble and if i left 25 grand on the table i'm good with that because i was trying to go for 500 grand and you had the bigger cake <laughs> and yeah. i had the biggest cake i'd have probably had your fat ass inside the cake. <laughs> please god no uh, there were people tweeting after the race was like oh you're gonna get Corey a cake you guys need to get Corey a cake and i didn't respond but i will respond now and i will say no you want me to tell not you why? Not get a cake. You want me to tell you why? It's why? not because you're wrecked. It's because JD's not here. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and nobody else cares enough to go get a cake. Well, yeah. No, but I even said it to Janie. I was like, look, he finished 21st. I mean, we got him a cake for fifth. Right. Yeah, he, he was up there and made a good move. But, I mean, cakes are for winners. Winners. Yeah, or yeah. fifth placers. Or fifth placers. I mean, you is... could have gave me a cake pop from Starbucks. We, we thought about We would have dropped it before we gave it yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, there. Here's the stick. I think it needs to be talked about, though, that, like, so I've been with you since what almost 15 years now like through the east stuff building late models all that and like the they you're not going to be like a lovable loser that's not who you are right that's not what you're here to do you're not here to just be in the cup series and wear the fire suit and go drive intros and have a lot of instagram followers that's not what you're here to do the goal from day one has been to be a cup level race winning championship contending driver yeah right and that's what stacking pennies is about like it's, it's much like Parker Klingerman, right? Parker Klingerman's timing did not work out for him when he got in the KBM stuff, but he's still a very good race car driver, right? You have done what you've had to do to stay relevant. Like, we're here today doing this podcast, one, because we like race and we want to make it better, but because you have to stay in front of the media to get yourself these opportunities. There's, there's weekends when you don't run good where you're not even on TV, they don't even know you're there, right? So, like, when you're up front and you're leading, I think we've all kind of, like, seen somebody in a 30th place car leading a speedway race and been like, okay, when do they get shuffled out? And when you got past the statement for me is when you crossed the nine back up and slid up in front of them, cleared yourself. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm here to race. Yeah. Yeah. Mother. 
and yeah. uh, and, and when you passed when you passed a twenty. Yeah. When you cleared yourself yeah. passing the twenty, I was like, oh shit. Then the I, last yeah. restart. I watched it, not surprised, because I've watched you race for the win. I've watched you beat Chase. I've watched you beat Blaney. I've watched you beat Kyle Larson straight up. So, like, I wasn't surprised watching it. I was just like, okay, here's finally here's is coming out. He's able to show people what he's able to do. And that's, you know, that's what's good about this new car as well, that, that affords you that opportunity. But when you get the chance to be able to have good restarts, don't mess it up. Like, you got crossed up in one and two underneath the 19 and – you know, didn't lose momentum and you, you kept yourself in position. That's what I know you can do, but showing the, you know, showing everybody that, that needs to know. I thought you did yourself maybe more favors post race than you did behind the wheel of the race car. Well, Which is, is, I, I mean, could equal, they were, they were fairly close to equal. Yeah. Right. I got a lot of positive feedback from the interview and all that. And it's like, I wasn't mad at Chase yeah. for the block because all is fair and loving NASCAR. It on the last lap because all bets are off. We talk, we'll talk about it here later in the show as to his decision to throw that block, why he didn't throw it earlier in the race. He had to throw it at the last lap because no matter if you have won two races, a championship, like every NASCAR race is so hard to come by, you do whatever it takes. Uh, it no matter whose behalf or who is the guy that gets the shorter straw, you got to make it, you got to make it happen. That's why I wasn't mad, I was super upset. Uh, disappointed, dejected, because when I was leading that thing with five or six to go and there was a yellow that led to that green-white checkered, um, I'd started to get a bit emotional. Like Chase Briscoe, when he was on the podcast, said he like literally started crying. I didn't get to the point of tears, but it was like all this emotion wrapped into like it was probably a lot of the feelings of just the, the lack of whether well, it be self-confidence or just the thought that you wonder if all the work is worth it. You know what I mean? It's like you work your entire life for the opportunity to be a cup driver, one, but also for the opportunity to win a cup race. And there are as many guys that they want to talk about winning a, you know, this guy has X amount of starts, never won a race. Or this guy's won one race. Like there are tens of thousands of guys who have never been in the position that I was at that point in the race. And I was thinking about all the people that helped me get me there. I was thinking about, uh, all the times I told myself I couldn't do it, all the times I, to I told myself I could do it, and it was like, holy shit, I'm about to win a Winston Cup race. And then it's like I had to snap out of it and like David Goggins myself and be like, no, mother lock back in. Pay window ain't open yet. And then the caution comes out, sure enough, and, you know, you well, re-rack them. I was, I was doing an audio scan this, way, this past weekend, so that means that I was listening to multiple car scanners for the different things that are on the nascar uh, properties for the videos and when you came off first i was like nobody's assigned to Corey," so i just clicked on that seven and started listening two things the stack and pennies side of it hearing sparks on the radio to your point of like you were kind of getting in your head it sounded like they were in that same thing but also trying to talk to get everybody back to all right we know what we got to do let's go do what we got to do it was it sounded like really good communication from what i heard the other thing to the stacking pennies side of it, Chase Elliott lost several races before he won in Hendrick equipment, yeah. right? You think back to when he was in the 24 and there were restarts that he messed up and they were like, and he was in the best equipment and he's messing that up. And, he, and we're going to hear from him in a little bit. And he says it, that it's hard to win one of these races. And I think we referenced it a couple of weeks ago, you know, you never know when you're going to get the next one. Chase doesn't even know when he's going to get the next one. You're going to race each other hard. And hearing you last week when we were out, 
Like you could hear the confidence in your voice. So when I saw you go out front, I was like, I, I think he, he can make a pretty good run here. Th- there's something to the confidence aspect of it. Well, Absolutely. the reason that you weren't mad after the race too, one, that's not who you are, right? But two, it's not like you saw the only, like you don't believe that's your only opportunity ever win a race. Like, okay, now I know how to do this. We know the races that are our strong suit and now I'm figuring this out. It wasn't like that was my shot. Now, now my career's over. It's like, okay, this is the next, next step. Block. Okay. I knew we put the work in and it worked out. So now I know I'm at this level and we're doing the right thing. So that's like, I see people that, you know, lose a speedway race and they're really frustrated on pit road, like guys that really didn't have a chance to begin with, but you didn't just, everybody didn't wreck and you had, you know, you, you were maintained control of the race for 75 laps and you know that that okay now what we're doing is right we're trending in the right direction on the next thing it's not like you're it's not like a complete you know drain of adrenaline no it's everything it definitely adds wind to the sails of like validating okay like i can do this at a high level because hey here's the thing there wasn't a whole lot of big wrecks that all of a sudden there's three cars running and we found ourselves running third like Everybody that dro- that started that race when we dropped the rag had the same opportunities that we had as a team to be in that same position that we did. Hey, and you know what? That shit you work on when you're not fast and you work on rolling speed and you work on that, well, you come out with a lead. Yep. You know, because you work on your pit road stuff. That's the type, that is what the whole name of this show is about. I know we're beating it this, to death. But. This LaJoy kid has uh, led 20 laps this season. Previous two two seasons, 13 laps, 13 laps. So six more laps and you will have doubled in this season, your my career led, total. Your career total. Yeah. Thanks, Chuck. I'll also point out while we continue to beat this dead horse and you know pump up your ego. Yeah, um, there was you know I, I saw it from uh, Jeff Gordon. He said, "I like Corey's attitude and I like his drive. It's unfortunate how it ended for him, but I thought he, his team, and their car showed a lot today. You want a guy like that it, coming from Jeff Gordon. Rick was Rick said that if one of his cars couldn't win, he he was pulling for you too." Yeah, I mean, obviously we run Hendrick engines, and and that certainly would have been good. I think one more th- thing on top of the Jeff Gordon tweet, he said some or the text. He wished it'll run one two. There was no opportunity in the cards where I run second. Yeah, it wasn't happening. Now TJ and Jeff would have loved for me to run second. Sorry, wasn't happening. What if you're like side by side of the line and just like well, a- no? Then that's fair, yeah. right? And I also wasn't gonna shunt the thing if I was running fourth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the only way that I could really and truly justify killing a car and bringing it back on a rollback was for the win and that's what we did unfortunately and it was damn close so we've talked about this a lot but just for everybody at home take me through what happened there so you were free landing all day talk to danny on the phone he's been listening to your radio and he said that you were fighting free landing all day you made a left rear adjustment to do that and at that point in the corner where you so what chase did when i saw it i was trying to figure out exactly what happened and i don't know if you talked about this with chase or not in your guys interview but when you got that run down the front stretch, the way he passed you is by going to the top. Well, yeah. it looked like he he kind of shaded to the bottom in the one, and you went to fill the top. And yes, you hit him in the bumper, but your but the front of your bumper, like the point of it, was to his quarter panel, and he just moved you up in the point of the corner where the car gets the max compression. Mm-hmm. So if you're free landing anyway, and you have all that, so did you get free or dump tight there? Couple couple different things there led before that. So. I was free, and the free got worse later. Like, the further you were back in traffic, the worse it got because the yeah. bubble of air is bigger, yeah. right? So you have less downforce, and it's just that transition from the straightaway into the banking. It was really swingy, and I think a lot of guys were complaining about that. 
because uh, the combo is how hard the tire was and just the aero balance of those cup cars, especially in dirty air, was free. So the closer we found ourselves to the front, I'm like, oh, that's the best adjustment we've made all day was clean air, right? Just no matter where it is. And that was also one of the bigger advantages the leader had was his car just drove way better. So he could maneuver a lot better than the guy second, third in line. And that's why the leader can kind of control the lanes because the guy second, third in line, they were lifting. The guy in lead wasn't lifting. So he can had some time, had some buffer uh, to regulate it. But when the nine jumped to my, he, he had he had a big run. In hindsight, I should have covered it and just see what would have happened. But he had a big run from the 43, clears me, Ross stayed committed to me to push me down the backstretch, and I got clear of the 43, slid up out of four, coming to the white. And I knew that all the runs and all the passes came from the start-finish line to the quarter mark of turn one. Beyond that, the runs weren't generated until one whole more lap around to that point, that particular segment of the racetrack. And once the white fire comes out, you're racing with a caution anyway. You're so you got to get the lead. As soon as possible, yes. right? Because somebody gets spun out behind you and – Next thing you know, caution's out yep. and it's over. Because the race was over Next essentially off of two. I was trying to get to his left rear. Um, was my plan when I came, was I was at the, like, the restart zone and I was about a car length back. I'm like, all right, whatever we got to do to get to his left rear. And we went through the second dog leg and the 43 hit me really hard and it got me loose and it had me picked up and I couldn't put the wheel to it left uh, to get to his left rear because my plan was to kind of shadow right and then go He's going outside. Son of a bitch. He's going to the bottom. <laughs> like one of those. Oh, and yeah. that's what I was trying to do. But my hands were so light and the 43 still had me picked up. I couldn't get to the back to the bottom. Um, and then I just was committed at that point to almost just like steering it back to the right rear quarter. And it was kind of a lazy out there. And he had a, just enough time to get it and get me like facing the wrong direction. And I got up in the shit and hit the fence. And you're probably going five mile an hour faster than you were in a one all day anyway. Yeah, it wasn't a loose thing. It was just uh, the way, like he the angles. Messed, messed up the angle of my, yep. my corner and I got up in the junk and got loose and that was it. It was what's, a big wreck. What's the conversation like in victory lane with with yeah. Chase? And then I saw in Gluck's video he put out, there was exchange with Allen, which all I right, know you so, and Allen are buddies, but it looked a little like. All right, I'll, I'll take you from like point of impact when I absolutely annihil the fence. So I like gather myself, grab a couple of gears, and I limp this hunk of shit back around, like <laughs> right down pit road. It goes and from being the best car you ever had to a hunk of shit just like that. Yeah. You should have park, parked it across, on the start finish across the Yeah, right. Start. So you don't finish yeah. a lap down or whatever. So we got back across the lake, and I'm the only car on pit road. No, did you have to go to the care center? No, I probably should have. Okay, <laughs> he uh, climbed out of the you car. You should have parked I'm, it on I'm back. I'm past the statute of limitations yeah. at this point. You should have. You should have. Should have parked on the start finish line. Just got out and walked. Well, I I parked right where the NASCAR's official told me to, and I'm sitting there, and the thing's smoking and all that, and tires are blown off of it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, like the dashboard's blasted out of it. Like I look over, and like the whole right side door bars are caved in. Like oh, I was like, this thing is trashed, and I'm kind of like shaking it off. And I'm like make like wiggling my fingers and toes to make sure they all work. And I'm like, and then it starts to like sink in, like man we were so close take my stuff off and all the media starts kind of coming down it's like okay like where am i at right now i'm like all right we had shot to win my first race chase that we had to do all like all these emotions are wrapped up into it and and really what i landed on was i was just super proud of my guys because there's a lot of guys 
myself included at Spire, who have never been in that position, let alone won a Cup Series race, but they haven't been in that even that close of a fight. Uh, and it was cool of an opportunity to have that. So did some media, did TV, um, and you know was able. I was able to kind of like take a step back and like look at it from five thousand feet. Just because I don't know whether it's because I do this, whether it's because I do serious, like, like I I talk about the sport it, with the blinders off. It allowed me to kind of see the situation with the blinders off, which I feel like helped. And then after it all, that USA documentary was following me around, which they picked a great weekend to follow me around. They were at my house. They followed Kelly on the plane, like the whole thing. They so they started. They started my weekend from start to finish. We were walking by Victory Lane and the confetti's going off. I'm like. Um, let me just go like I generally was happy for Chase for winning did I want to be in that position absolutely so I'm like fuck it I'll just go in there and say good good job mosey my way into into victory lane and like I grabbed Chase kind of like back by like the back of the neck fairly stern I'm like hey mother <laughs> and he was like oh, I, 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 I just did what I had to do man I'm like ah, I'm just <laughs> with you <laughs> and I wish you guys were mic'd up for that I know yeah. and uh I mean like like I said I, I didn't have an now, when I watch it back, it's like, man, it's probably a little bit of a late block, but, man, you got to do what you got to do well, to win a cup race. So what was the conversation with Alan? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like... we chopped it up. It was like, man, hey, it was great rubbing fenders. I loved, you know, the opportunity to race with you. I wish it was the other way around, but, man, it was fun. I was walking out, and Alan and I, have, like, we've got a great rapport, and we talk about mountain biking and all this stuff. And he's like, hey, man, you did great. Man. I, just, I sorry, sorry it worked out that way. I'm like, dude, it's racing. It's racing. I mean, it, it ain't it, – yeah, like, that's just what it is, and – uh, man, I got a lot of text messages. I probably got over 400, 500 text messages uh, from people that were watching. And Latar asked me something on Motor Mouse. Uh, he asked me a question last night at dinner. He's like, who's that one guy like that you got a text from that you wouldn't anticipate it? And like, it means a lot from you. Dale Jr. sent me a super nice text, like a paragraph on, you know. Oh, he does uh, have your number. He does, <laughs> right? He, like after seven red text messages with no response, he sends me back something. Thanks, Junebug. At least he does when it matters. Right. Well, they all mattered. No, yeah. this one really mattered. It, yeah. Uh, just about the professionalism, professionalism after the race and all the stuff. Right. And so that was, that was nice. Gordon texted me, you know, like Mark Martin. There was guys who I've looked up to my entire life that, that texted me. But then there's the guys who my high school buddies that worked on my late models with me when I was, you know, 15 years old that are still like, Rooting, you don't get to talk to them a whole lot, but the guys are still pulling for you. The combination of guys who you respect, looking up to, and it's the guys that also helped you get there and everywhere in between. Uh, so it's just a combination of it all that made it super emotional. And hopefully I can give us some more opportunities to root for us in the future because that, that's not the last time I'm going to be in that position. Last one for me. What did uh, what did Big Randy have to say about it? Uh, yeah, we actually haven't um, talked a whole lot. I mean, obviously he's pumped up about it. He talks to Ryan more. He talks to me anymore. He's <laughs> yeah, like exactly. his adopted son. <laughs> yeah. My dude, my grandpa was so pumped up, man. That's like, that really and truly is who, uh, I want to do well for. I want like, I want him at the race. He's coming loud in this weekend. Like my grandfather's is somebody who uh, I care a ton about his, uh, opinion and how I do things. And I want to, you know, do well for him and like fly the LaJoy name in racing and he was the one that started it all so uh he was super pumped up proud all the things so to to do don lajoy proud was it was definitely a good day bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Is it is it safe to say that this new reconfiguration of Atlanta, at least with the cut package, has passed the passed the test? Well, I'm a bit biased because I I personally hated the old Atlanta because I, I think that when tracks are worn out and the drivers love it necessarily, it, it, it's the opposite of what the fans uh, take in. Because like, would I love to be sliding around and trying to hook the line and using brake and going 203 miles an hour and qualifying and slowing down to 150 at Atlanta because it's wore out? Yes, like that's fun as a driver. But when the leader wins the race by seven seconds, like that's not fun. Uh, and you have to, uh, you have to keep continue to tweak the dials of competition versus entertainment because it's not the same dial. And I believe in uh, Atlanta now, the entertainment dial is a clicker too higher. Uh, but the competition knob is still there because. You have to have a good driving race car. You have to have a great strategy. Good pit crew can take you out of it just as much as they can put you in it. And you got to be smart, man, with timing your runs and getting track position. Like the guys that find themselves towards the front didn't just back their way in there. Yeah. It's just like yeah. the the game plan that we worked on since Tuesday and the hours that I spent trying to figure out where I wanted to be at lap 70, at lap 60, and lap – 198 with two to go or whatever number it was. Like I knew exactly, I was exactly where I wanted to be with a green white checker. That's where I planned on all week. So it wasn't like I hoped to be in that yeah. spot. It wasn't like, man, I just, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope to God I'm on the front row with two, two laps to go. No, like I worked my ass off all day in the race, but also prepared to put myself in that spot. And it worked out. You, I, and I think you saw that with a lot of cars in the field. And the other thing that I kind of wanted to touch on to kind of maybe shift us to some of the other action that happened, the guy that was pushing you, you know, Ross Chastain had some damage to his front end. Joey Logano had some damage. They were both Truex. In, Truex. They were involved in earlier wrecks. Joey's car. Jo Joey was two laps down at one point. Joey was three feet in the air yeah. at one point and landed on all fours and kept going. The left rear, the left rear was broken on it. And it, it like toe, it, toe length was. Toe yeah, and they yeah. fixed it. And he was running top ten. You know why? Because Jerry Kelly's a badass. The car chief on that thing. Let that be known to everybody here. But like that, like there was a lot going on in that race early that set up that that final stage to where like guys that were in contention early mm -hmm. and they kind of shuffle back and then work their way back up like chastain now chastain didn't do himself any favors in his other <laughs> no uh he uh, went full ross dude yeah. the 19 1 and 22 wrecked hard yeah like and they were all in contention at the end of, like they chastain wrecked the, the, the 19 and the one were 
you know, first and third on the last restart or whatever yeah. second. And it's like, okay, that that's what's cool about this car. It's, yeah. You know, and but then the 48 blows a tire and spins out and he's out of the race. So. so there are certain angles in which you can hit this because I hit everything but the damn Tennessee lottery, Bristol dirt. I'm talking spun out seven times, smashed into every son of a bitch on the racetrack and finished like 18th. Like there wasn't something I didn't hit. If, if it was a hot dog stand, I hit that thing too. There are ways, I don't know which, but like there are ways that the cars are super fragile and there are ways that the car is super rigid. And cosmetically, it could take a lot of punishment, but if you bend a toe link or you uh, bend a lower or an upper or something like that, like it can end your day. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting how some people wreck just the slightest little bit um, and something might look like a not a big deal and their day's over and then there's some the the 22 car yeah. can be a foot off the ground and then continue and run you know in the top 10 so you were getting somewhere with ross chastain though uh, yeah i mean i was just setting up that's another i am worried about ross uh his ass writing there's i his guess not even ass writing checks that his ass can't cash it would be foot? his it, his foot? it would his it would be his, his right hands. foot writing writing checks that his ass won't be able to cash with four three two weekends left in the year well because being a championship contender isn't a yearly given situation. No. Like having the speed the track house does right now, having the amount of playoff points he has right now, that's not going to be that's not going to be a every year thing. And it's so fragile to have a strong of a year and the team is going as well as it is and also what is it six straight top 5s in a row or something like that for him. The the whole thing about peaking too early, maybe not, maybe so, but they are consistent, but the fact that Denny wasn't even really mad, like he he wasn't cussing he wasn't throwing his hands. He like he was just like, I have reached my point. Well, and that the, makes you, if you're Ross Chastain, you better watch out for your ass in the grocery aisle, at food line, food. <laughs> and you better watch yourself around the 11. I'm just, the juxtaposition of Denny being so mad, he's just like, okay. Like, I know what he I, has then, made his bet. And then in Ross post-race, it, I saw this on Twitter because broadcast didn't get to it, but he was just like, yeah, this is a different situation. I've got Denny's number. I'll text him. I'm like, I don't know if I hit the speed dial on Denny Hamlin anytime soon. So Denny and I, uh, back a couple of years ago, we got in like a Twitter spat. Then that turned into like me running my mouth in the media, like because uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just uh, like, kind of blinded by like just the platforms I had, and like we were just talking shit. But none of that originated from the racetrack. That way, it, like it never progressed to the racetrack. Well, he told you he was going to junk you over that stuff, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Like, I thought we were going to go fight outside of his house. <laughs> now like, you're flying his plane point. with him. Yeah, now <laughs> I fly on his plane with him, right? But, like, and I think a little bit of that was me sticking up for myself, but I took it too far, and, like, we both kind of, like, buried the hatchet a bit. The stuff with Ross has started on the track, which tells me it will 1,000% be finished on the racetrack. Like, it's not a matter of if the 11 car gets into the one. It is just a matter of when. But, is it going to be a Martinsville when the one's in transfer spot to Phoenix? Ross isn't, Ross isn't going to win Nobody is going up to Ross after the race, which I've said it on here before. I'll say it again. Is an incredible mind game. When you piss off five to ten people weekly on the racetrack and no one wants to come up to you after the race, like – where, where were we at Gateway? And he was like, let me handle my business. Nobody comes up to the car. Atlanta, he gets into the 11 again. He, I mean, he hits. Which wasn't intentional. No. Well, Austin Dillon was mad leaving, too. Uh, Austin Dillon you know, was Austin super Dillon's mad. But like, nobody... who, did he, who did Ross spin out there the first time, though? 19? 19. Yeah. 
same way the eleven he spent the eleven yeah. out, right? But but nobody's uh, nobody's addressing him in person after the race has got to be mind just like racking his brain. Well, if he goes to the food line at the wrong time, he's gonna get addressed. <laughs> hey, my man, be picking out some tortilla chips yeah. and get rolled up. That's on. that's an oh. all-time NASCAR yeah. quote. He better not. Let me catch him at the food line this you think, week. You think he's who the hell Smith shops at, Who the hell shops at food line? I, I do. You, yeah. Is that where you get your – you don't it, get monkfish. They don't hate on food line. No, I, but they, it's right near the house, so you, I mean, it's you the closest don't, one. I, I love me some food yeah. line, but I only go there if I really need something like now pickles or something in a pinch. But uh, Pickles in a pinch. Yeah. I mean, you never want pickles in a pinch, but when I do, I go to food line and get them. I don't think, I don't think that, you know, that anybody does – I don't think anybody does anything to him. I, I you don't think, think everybody's got. All I mean, power? I mean, well, who's the last person that they said he he ain't gonna win a championship when Joey moved Martin out of the way to at Martinsville? He ain't Guess gonna win what? the damn war. Guess he what? War. Joey had his kid plop down that championship trophy the next week. I think he's gonna play the mind game. Like mm-hmm. I think he's gonna sit there on that right rear on some of those tracks and make Ross think. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. I don't, Ross has junked the eleven. Yeah, <laughs> not once, <laughs> but twice. Yeah, but I think he's gonna be smart about when he does it. If yeah, who owes him a couple too is Almondinger. I mean, he's got a couple. He's got a list of people that are mad at him. But, but didn't he also making other news? If we want to, it's a big day. We can we can transition to that. Might as well before uh, we get to boats and woes. Yeah, yeah. a long way. Well, we also got Clyde waiting in the back room yeah. here. We don't want to make him wait too long. Uh, but big news right before we drop this podcast: uh, a little bit of chess move out of Toyota and twenty three eleven. Some chatter. I've been hearing some chatter the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Tyler Reddick is a pretty sought-after free agent. Just one road America. Everybody knows what he is capable of behind the wheel of a race car. Um, and he is still yet to really tap into what I think a lot of people's uh, upside and ceiling is. I think he's uh, – to D- Denny's – Denny says today he's a franchise guy. Uh, in which case, he believes in him enough to sign him to an old Casey Kane lame duck contract a year and a half from now. A little bit different, though, than – than Casey's. How? How? Yeah. Well, didn't Casey come over from Red Bull? Yeah. And Red like, Bull was like going defunct anyways. Yeah. I mean RC I mean RCR is a a pillar team in the sport. I think it's a bigger deal than Casey Kane going to Hendrick, in my opinion. I mean Maybe so. Nah, it's maybe. similar. I mean, out of the time. Right? Like at that time Casey Kane was pretty solid after, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it at Red Bull? Yeah, well, I mean, he just got his bag there for a year and then rolled on. Yeah. So, and it's also, it wasn't really a competitive team at the moment. They ended up winning a race there at New Hampshire, but. It's weird to me that. I just think RCR is, is elevated more. That's why I think it's a bigger deal. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's one of the powerhouse teams for sure, but like, and it's a cornerstone team in our sport, definitely. But like, I can't believe they'll let him do that and, you know, be, be tapped into Chevy and that team as much as he can be next year. Like. Yeah, we say we want, they want to win championships and stuff, but you're not going to let that just go to Toyota. No. So, and if you're Chevrolet, you're not going to let Tyler Reddick win knowing he's out the door. Bro, do you know what happens to me if I sign a contract for 2024? Not good stuff. What happens? Like they take you lawsuits and fired and you do a lot more like held out of the Lake sport. Davidson. Like yeah. I'm not like in. I don't know what your guys' contract looks like, but if I'm talking to other coaches. I'm not even allowed to be like I could that I can get my feet held to the fire yeah. for that. So there's definitely that's just a, crazy to me that that is something like something that happens and then something that they're going to announce like in the middle of the season. I, the timing just it was it's weird to me. You're, he's coming off that win, so I you you could see a contract extension or something like that. But well, they picked up the option, you're right? So obviously, Denny waited until the option was signed. 
That way they knew they can bridge it. Well, this has been going on for a long time. But, you know, this but stuff doesn't happen overnight. Do you no. think this is going to kick off a series of dominoes for sure? Dominoes of of not necessarily for this year, but signing guys over a year in advance and oh, getting like a things. new norm. Yeah, new norm. Do you Ooh. do you think we'll see this again soon? I don't know. Yeah. Um and I don't know the specifics of the deal because you know, you can you can assume, but nobody really knows the details unless it's Bob Pockerson tweets it, and that's for short gospel. But, like, it is it is bizarre, and you don't really know the decisions going to go into it. It cannot make – it cannot make conversations, competition meetings, the relationship between Randall and Tyler, Tyler and RC, T- Tyler and R- Mike Dillon, for the next 14 months, a very enjoyable experience. No. But obviously Tyler feels like it was the best deal for him. I'm sure it paid a lot of money. Obviously get to work with Michael Jordan would certainly be a dream come true, but you have to wonder how it's all going to play out. I mean, that's all fine and dandy too, the guys, you know, in the in the office. But think about the guys that you've got to bring your, you know, you got to get in the trenches with. Your mechanics. Flying the your planes with guys, every week. Yeah. Your crew chief, your engineers. Like, it's awkward for everybody. And, the, you know, that. I, you well, how can almost was it, deal with the owner, right? You how know was it for you last year with, with, with Brad going into ownership? Different deal. Yeah. But still, you're racing with a dude who's... Last year was the best year to leave a team and go to a different team ever because everything's brand new this year. So you weren't worried. Like, yeah, come to the meetings, man. You can't go in the next gym meetings, but hey. Yeah. You know, like that, there was no better year to, to seem into that. And... Brad was open with us, and we talked about it. But but even it'd Brad, be awkward if it was a year and a half. But even Brad, though, was leaving a Ford team to go to another Ford team. Yes, it was there also is, going for ownership and too. going for ownership. There was a lot of thing. There was a lot. But I'm just difference. talking about the the yeah. the biggest thing that the eight teams can be up against, and Tyler Reddick himself can be up against. He's not going to get any simulator time. He's not going to get access to the engineering meetings, wind tunnel meetings, all that sort of stuff that they're privy to now. I don't know how it's going to work internally, and I'm sure that they're going to want their best foot forward. But I can't imagine Chevy is very pumped up with with that. No, I mean, nor will they be reaching out like, "Hey, man, come on in. We will let you know all of our latest and greatest things, special switches, this particular aero balance, like all that stuff." Is like, no, man, just drive the car. I think that's how it's going to play out. I don't know though. Maybe he goes off, rattles off, you know, a couple wins in, in the playoffs, gets a championship for RCR. Who knows? He I can't believe so. I, I cannot. He maybe so, maybe so, but I can't believe that this is going to put wind into the sails that RCR camp, particularly the eight car. Now, I mean, last time he was leaving a team, he was leaving Junior Motorsports and going to RCR, and he won a championship for them. Yeah. So, who knows? Who knows? But hey, I guess congratulations is in order. Yeah, and we'll discuss. You all get this to drive series. for the goat. He must have got paid to make it. To make oh, it. he got paid. I'd love to see those details. I do know that when all those dominoes do fall, it's going to be fun discussion here on. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there are some dot, like you said, there are some Harvick. What's going to happen with Kyle Busch? What's Almarola doing? What's Eric Almarola? Yeah. Gonna what's do? about what? What does Rick <laughs> Allen know that we don't? What's well? Food line. They were. They are the trying to. Line. They're trying to convince Eric to come back. And Eric isn't fully committed to not being – I mean, hey, like you can still bring your kids. You can make four or five million bucks a year. Why not? Whip somebody's ass food line. Hell, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on. In the produce aisle. <laughs> Whip them with a cucumber. Just, just beat them with a pack of Smithfield bacon. And an eggplant. <laughs> bacon slap. 
Speaking of smacking somebody with some bacon, we're going to talk to the guy who won all the bacon this week in Atlanta. Awesome chase from the same place right here on Stacking Pennies. I'm going to see why he didn't let me win. Stay tuned. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, guys, the moment you've all been waiting for, Dawson Bill's own Mr. Chase Elliott. A rare Clyde appearance uh, via media, especially on the podcast, first time stacking pennies guest and winner of Atlanta, Mr. Chase Elliott. A rare invite at that. A rare invite. I don't know. I don't know. I think think there's the gatekeepers to to Chase always shut the invites down. So to have you on the show. Oh, man. After a big win. Happy to be here. Appreciate y'all having me. Big win, man, in front of the home, in in front of the home crowd. Felt good. It had the mustache swag. That was probably the difference this weekend. But let's just not let's not bury the lead here. I was going for my first career win. And you blocked me, man. You blocked me. I sure did. Took all my hopes and dreams away. Could have changed my life. I sure did. And I'm just happy that you put your noble steed in the background there for me to uh for me to see but yeah it was uh it was aggressive but I felt like it was necessary so what do you do I, I agree hey and and all is fair now and in, in loving NASCAR in the last lap because you have to do what you got to do to get a dub does it does it mean a little bit more doing it in front of your hometown yeah, it definitely did for me I mean I, I that that was a really a really cool deal um you know honestly just uh I spent a lot of time at Atlanta, you know, driving back and forth, going racing on the quarter mile and, um, you know, a lot of time on the road between here and there with my family. I wish my family had been there. That was the first Atlanta race they'd missed and probably ever. Um, so that was uh, a bit of a bummer. But, you know, just, I don't know, something different about it. Uh, certainly, you know, when you have a track that close to home and, and you kind of feel the energy be a little bit different, um, yeah, it means a lot to me. And, and I know that, you know, everybody around here has been really supportive of my career and, and, uh, has been, you know, really good to my family over the years. So you can feel that difference in that energy when you're at the track. And, um, yeah, it was, it was cool to, cool to get it done in front of the, front of the home crowd. So the listeners have already heard my point of view. I wanted to take them a little bit peek behind the curtains into what was going through your head over the last couple of restarts, why you chose the lanes you did when you thought the wind might've been out of hand why you chose to push the 19 or picking certain lanes. So going from like six, eight laps to go, uh, what was the position you felt you had to be in to try to get that win? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, honestly, 
uh, let's see, we had the lead there probably going into the second to last restart. Um, the, I'm trying to remember how that one went, but we ended up losing the lead there. I, I think the, the one ended up giving you a really good push um, and, and got, got you guys the lead. And honestly, when I felt a third, you know, in the, while it was green, I was thinking, you know, you're in third, you still have a shot. I, I would say as long as the race stays green, you know, you can potentially fabricate a run again. Um, but when the caution fell and then we ran forever under, under caution there for no reason, uh, that cut it down to like eight or nine to go. And we were starting on the second row and I'm like, man, you know, we're going to be like, let's go like, like, let's get it going again because we're going to run out of time here starting on the second row. Like just, as many laps that click away, uh, sometimes w w when you're not controlling the race, it's going to take you a handful of laps to get the energy up in the pack, the draft to really start working again. And for you to open up opportunities, like those things just don't happen, uh, within a lap, you know, at, at a lot of those speedways, it seems like, so you want to be in control of the race. So when we lost control, I really felt like we were in a lot of trouble, especially not restarting on the front row anymore. Um, so I, I chose the outside on, on the, the last restart just because I felt like the, you know, yes, you were controlling the race and yes, you chose the bottom. I figured you chose it because you won out on the one before. So wanted to make that choice again. Certainly understood that. Thought that was a good choice for you to get the lead. For me being in the second row, I just didn't think I could get there from third. You know, like, yes, that lane might go forward and, and give the control guy the the race lead and potentially control um there for a lap or two but i thought for my chances i needed to be in the outside lane to try to get an opportunity um and then and then really the turning point in my opinion was, was when martin bobbled there in the middle of one and two that opened up a little bit of a lane for me to stick my nose in there and and get the outside uh lane get the lead of the outside lane and, and then when i when i got to that position felt like I was going to have an opportunity at some point, you know, obviously it's a toss up, but uh, that, that was a much better place to be than, than on the second row. So everybody asks, right? It's like, do you race teammates, competitors, guys that you don't see like myself racing for wins very often, or are all the cars black and white and you race everybody the same at that point of the race? I mean, at that point of the race, I think it's pretty, pretty cutthroat. I mean, for, for everyone, um, you know, but I, I still think there's always that there's always that respect level amongst your competitors, regardless of teams or manufacturers or makes or whatever um, that you enjoy racing with more than others. At least that's kind of how I look at it um, and how that particular individual has raced you in the past to how aggressive you, you want to be too um, in, in a lot of scenarios, but, you know, I think when you take the white flag, uh, pretty much all bets are off, I would say, at that point, and, and they should be. I mean, look, th these races are are way too hard to win, right? I mean, when you're when you're in a position and you have a shot at it, like that, first off, that's an impossible position to be in because, you know, I give you a lane, you get by me, caution comes out, race is over, or you get by me, another run forms up and I have another shot at you by the time we get back to the checkered flag. I mean, that that's just something you don't know how it's going to play out. And 
I probably have made that wrong decision more than I have right over the course of my career. I've, I've spearheaded plenty of wrecks at speedways um, because of that aggression. Um, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. And I, I don't know what the right choice is a lot of times. So I'm going to ask you a weird question because you're the guy holding the trophy and I'm the guy with the watered up car behind me. Is there anything from your point of view, if you were me, you'd have done different? Honestly, no. I mean, I feel like when you're, you know, when you're leading the race and you have control of it, you know, that that's the position I, I wanted to be in uh, on my end. And I think, you know, you have to accept there at some point that there are some runs that you can't defend. Um, I, I think that I, I covered the bottom enough where you didn't feel like the bottom was going to work. And I think it was a little easier for me to cover top from that particular position um but no i mean you know you, you had a huge run and got to do something with it right i mean you just took the white flag and the bottom wasn't really an option so go the other way i mean i did the same thing to you two laps before that so it's yeah. like what do you do well you had same thing about the same amount of run i had but it's it's hard to know which one's to cover and which one's not to but the 43 had me kind of picked up so i couldn't put the wheel to it because i wanted to go to the bottom but you had it covered but I wanted to move on from a little bit because that was also, I mean, obviously a career day for myself, unfortunately, yeah. how we wanted to. But it was cool racing you uh, like like the old days, man. It's been a while since I've been able to rub fenders with you with the, when the white flag's out or anything last 10 years for that matter. But what's it mean, man? It's, it's For me, it's always been cool to, to see my buddies, yourself, Bubba, Blaney, Daniel Suarez, guys that we've been racing with for the better part of a decade, making some success in the sport. Do you, do you take any, I don't know, like solace in that or – like yeah yeah well, i mean I, look I, I enjoyed racing for the win too i told you that there you know on on sunday but um ho hope to do it more often and and uh you know i, I expect uh, i expect you guys to be up front more it was a, a, good, a really good run something y'all should be proud of too um but yeah you know i i definitely am proud of that i, I think for for all of us that kind of came up at the same time or were you know trying to make it uh i know we're all kind of different ages but we were all on similar paths at similar times um you know for me my my mindset has always been like hey i want to i want to establish myself as as somebody that can contend for a win every week in, in the cup series and and that i think is probably all of our goals you know we, we just want to be we just want to be in the mix and, and that's that's how it's been for me like i just i feel like there's a handful of guys who have a shot every week and if if that particular person wins no one's surprised like i want to get to that point I, I want to be a, a, a guy that has a shot every week and if you win the race no one is surprised by by that at the end of the day and I, I think that's that's everyone's goal and that, that's certainly where you know where I want to be that's interesting you brought that up because I think there's another variable that you and I can also relate with was having a successful dad in the sport right yeah is we are trying to solidify ourselves as a competitor at what point in time do you feel like you can be put on the same pedestal as your dad. I'm not sure you ever can, honestly. I mean, it's just, you're two different people, you know, and, and, you know, my, my dad's legacy and, and, you know, the way, the way his career unfolded was, was spectacular. I mean, he has 44 wins and a championship. I mean, that, that that's a, that's a big number, right? I mean, uh, especially in, in today's, in today's world, um, 
you know, so I, I'm not sure that you ever really can. I, I'm not sure I'll ever be like, yeah, you know, I, I, I want to compare my career to his. I just think they're two different things. And, and uh, you know, I've always tried to be me and, and do my thing. And, and also too, on his end, he, he has never, he is never comparing. Like he, it, it's just never even a conversation. Like he's always kind of let me do my thing and let me learn. Uh, some days learn the hard way, but he's always let me go about my business the way that that I want to go about it. And I've always respected that out of him and my mom, you know, for that matter. But they've, they've kind of let me learn lessons and and try to figure things out on my own. And uh, I think because of that, it's just it's just different. I don't really know how to describe it. I've, I've never really let it impact my decision making. It's not something I really go to bed thinking about at night. Um always will respect it but not sure that i compare in that way do you think you can reach that 44 win we talked about the podcast last week saying wondering if you think you can get there man 44 is a big number i mean 44 is a big number uh you know i i feel like i feel like our team is is capable of winning that much um you know, but 44 is something that happens over a really long period of time, you know, like uh, you have to be successful for, for years and years to, to get to a number that large. Um, so to me, that, that's the thing. Can you, can you be that good for that long? And, and that in a lot of ways, I think is what separates uh, the good from the great in, in any sport is how long you can be successful, how long you can stay relevant, how long you can be competitive and perform at your peak. Um, and look, I don't know. I mean, time will tell, right? I feel like we're in a really good spot right now today. Will that be the case in two or three years? I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll wait, we'll wait and find out. Um, I think the ability's there, but you have to execute at a high level to, to achieve that. So would love to, would absolutely would love to get there and surpass it if I can, but only only time will give us that answer. I think you got a pretty good shot at it, buddy. But the nine team right now is hitting on all eight cylinders. Do you feel like there's a better team in the garage than yours right now for the, leading into the home stretch? When we're at our best, no. I mean, when we're at our best, I feel like we can contend with whoever. Um, honestly, I've, I've felt that way for for years, um, for, for a few years now. I feel like when we – when I show up and, and I do my job like I should do it and our entire team top to bottom performs like, like I know we can, um, the performance has been there. And I think we've, we've competed and, and been right there with the best of them on, on their good days too. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I love our group. I think we have a really strong team. I think we need to be just a little more consistent at, at some of the tracks. I think we can be better. You know, I look at a place like Loudon somewhere I have not, done very good ever um and, and Pocono haven't had any success there since like my rookie year so you know not just because they're the coming up next but I look at two tracks that we've struggled at historically and I'm like hey look these are the kind of places we need to be better at um if we want to you know have a shot every week we got to be good at the places where we don't look forward to going to quite as much um and and these are two important ones to try to make steps in the right direction no doubt, no doubt. Well, man, I appreciate the time, but before I let you go, I've got, I usually ask two questions, uh, but I'm going to ask three. Number one, if you had to pick one racetrack and one race car to race at the rest of your life, what are you going with? Ooh, um, man, that's a tough one. I would say like Bristol late 80s. 
like some type of cup yeah like some type of cup car at bristol in the late 80s like i feel like there was some incredible racing around there then that's a great answer that was a first for the show actually question number two what's the most embarrassed you've ever been at the racetrack Ooh, most embarrassed um I bet I've been embarrassed a lot. I've, I've embarrassed myself probably too many to, uh, to pick one, but, um, I don't know about embarrassed, but I would say most disappointed probably in myself, uh, at the racetrack was, was when I threw away a win at, at Dover, um, a handful of years ago, raced against Kyle there for the win and, and just did a terrible job, you know, pissed away a huge lead in traffic and, and uh you know chose the wrong lane didn't put put up hardly any fight you know at all so probably the most disappointed i've been um was was that one i mean embarrassed you know to kind of but more just more just disappointed in myself you know just knew better and and just made dumb decisions question number three can you let me win next time no you wouldn't <laughs> let me win hell no i wouldn't <laughs> yeah no no shot love it well chase man i appreciate you jumping on stack of paints congrats hopefully we're racing wheel to wheel again here soon buddy but uh good luck this weekend allowed yeah appreciate it enjoy it y'all be good all right buddy time for pit road boats and woes let's do it shall we Shall we? Because all this stuff's downer. I'm just thinking about them rerunning all the times that Clyde beat me in my head. Uh, I'm over it. Let's just talk about some stuff that... You won the race off pit road. You did I, win that. I did. Uh, What'd that pay? I, mm, checks in the mail, I believe. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple woes, but let's get into mechanical wear stuff right off the bat. Two car wins the day. It's a. am happy for my boys, Poppy Chulo and the boys on the two car. It's a weird day because... Like, we did two four-tire pit stops, waited on gas for two or three seconds both times. So, um, anytime you can be the best on pit road at any cup race, it's important. But it is a weird day because down and distance are, are very much played in the factors. One car is back on top. 18 car drops the third. Mm. The one car and the three is second. All you need is a little bit of TV, little TV time on oh, USA. A little ticket. Drop a couple tenths off your average, and then yeah, the 18 is back to uh, is back to third. So I, once the 18 got the lead there, I didn't think they'd um, let go of it. But yeah, the one car has fought back. And uh, uh, are they doing? Were they doing like the at this point choreography? Just choreographer. They still running out in front of the car. They do. There's something different every time. I don't even pay attention anymore. Okay. But. You know, I did pay attention to, and a lot of people paid attention to it this week, that 20 and 23 swap. And what happened? So there's a lot of talk on, on Twitter. I saw Dave Moody kind of got in the middle of it, and there's a lot of people that don't know. Well, you're going to hear it from someone that's – like, I'm in the trenches, right? I understand how this stuff works. Like Chuck? And, yes. I, I dig myself right in the trenches, throwing grenades out of there. Foxhole, Flores. And and I've, I've really done some work to understand, like, how the Gibbs – how the whole Gibbs deal is working. And it's, it doesn't look like it is. Well, for on, on, they do a lot of stuff off of like computer metrics and trend lines, and they have a lot of really smart people working on this stuff. So on paper, it should benefit both teams because what the 23 is getting is ear measurable, right? They're getting Houston Stamper. They're getting Jojo Crossan, right? They've got David O'Dell and they've got a first year, uh, first year retire changer, Adam Riley. 
Who who's the guy that has like a monstrous neck? It gives. I don't know. There's some guy that has like a human, like a Ryan Newman neck. Is it the guy that's on the eleven? Sure. Meatball. Meatball. Got uh, <laughs> Shrek neck. Shout out to Meatball. <laughs> um, he looks like a meatball. But anyway, that those guys between just between Houston JoJo and David Odell, they probably got forty years of experience in the sport. Like Houston Stamper, I started changing tires with him, and JoJo was was already a carrier at the cup level on the 17 killer bees back then. Mm. Right. And David Odell has been, been at Gibbs and won championships. These guys are, they have the ear measurables, right? They might not be as fast as, as the, the guys that they put on the 20. Cause what, what they got on the 20 now is they've got four and I'm, I'm leaving Gasman out of this. I'm just talking about the guys. They've got four first year guys. So what Gibbs has done is they've gone and hired a bunch of athletes and they saw the opportunity for one lug nut coming that they trained a bunch of people, right? And the guys like TJ Ford and all those guys that have been around for forever, they're gone or they're back down to Xfinity. So see guys like, you know, TJ Ford, Jake Lind, Dwayne Ogles, these guys have been knocked back down and, and they've gone the route of, of these guys. Now they don't have as much experience in races, but they probably have more one lug nut pit stops under their belt in the whole field. Mm-hmm. Now, what they don't have is the Xfinity races, the truck races, Awareness. the the times where they've messed up and they've messed up on your car, on Michael McDowell's car, on, you know, cars that aren't JTG. running for a championship to understand that. What they also don't have is when they have a big blow up like that, they don't have somebody that has done that, that can reel them back in. That's the... That's the ear measurables. If yes, they are better. They are probably faster in the is parking ear measurable lot. Worth- I don't know. Intangible, but I feel like that's one of those locker room talk things. Yeah. Unmeasurable, ear measurable. I don't give a shit. Let's ear measurable. Let's call, let's call it look an, it up. An intangible. No, I'm calling it ear measurables. Intangible. How big are your ears? You can't measure them because I got these because they're m- ear muffs on. <laughs> so yeah, you can't can't measure that shit because it's <laughs> and, ear. But that but the 23 gets better because they just want consistent pit stops right if they do a 10-5 they're fine where the 20 car is trying to do a 9-2 and they're the only car on pit road and their wheel falls off that's what you get from first year guys yeah so i but at the end of the day if we're at a track where we're just worried about speed and they hit it the 20 car might be better than the 23 just on speed alone but i think both they ain't gonna be for the next four weeks though well interesting because the rule has been they've made an amendment to the rule but the way that I read it, I don't understand if it says if it falls off from the way I understood at the beginning of the year, it has a fall off on the racing surface. And we've seen them fall off and guys get one or two stalls away and they haven't called it. But they made an amendment to the rule to where you could call it on pit road if it falls off or you couldn't. So we're filming this on Tuesday. The, the penalties haven't come out yet when you... Listen to this. The penalties will be out, and you'll understand it clear. I don't understand what they're going to do right now. But I know that I'm going to be taking notes because if my shit falls off on pit road and they don't get suspended, I better not get suspended. Yeah, no doubt. Now, didn't he kind of like make a scene, like go out there, turn around, like back up into the stall? Like Dude, the NASCAR never fails. You know what car he passed when his wheel fell off that was parked in front of him? The 23. And the 23 had to swerve around the 20 with the wheel off of it. Yes. Like, the storylines are endless in this sport. It it always works that way. So, yeah, like, Bubba had to pull. Like, he ended up in front of Bubba's pit stall without his left rear on, and Bubba had to, like, pull around at him. I'm like, you can't make this Dude, I know Bubba, he had to go like, ha! Yeah, oh, yeah, you know he did. (laughs) 
But I know that Bubba laughed too. That I, I, I <laughs> thousand oh, yeah. percent know that he made. Oh yeah, but ah! but and, and you and you touched on it. You know, we were talking about it before. The six car was in position to win that race. Like Brad Keselowski was up there with you guys. He had passed you, and before that last pit stop, they did a uh, four tire stop, pulled the right front off, rolled it to the wall, and it trickled to the forty one's pit box just a little bit. But the 41 rear tire changer was jumping off the wall and hit it and fell. That's impeding their pit stop. Mm. Go to the end of the longest line. Bradley's day's over. Not not over, but now he's in the wrecks in the back yeah. and his day's over. Yeah. So that, you know, if he is running up front, throws a Hail Mary at the end and wins the race. He's in play. So that's the difference. And that yeah. type of shit is what keeps me up at night. Because rolling that right front back to the wall when someone's pitting in front of you is my worst nightmare right now. Mm. Little... Little pennies, little bits. What's New Hampshire gonna be like? Tires gonna matter? Fuel mileage race? I don't know. F- track position will be huge, man. Clean air. I will. I'm gonna go with a cold take. I'm gonna take my hand at a. I'm gonna try my hand at a cold take, Jonathan. I believe this next gen car and the opportunity for us to shift will help Loudon, uh, because with the PJ1 and the way they applied it, you could kind of keep up on the bottom there but the that third lane right sides up right below the sealer was always the advantageous lane because you can keep your rpms up now on a restart you can go to the bottom bang it down a gear maybe bang it down two gears and you can launch off the bottom with the top so i think now we'll see more of an even lane bottom and top even middle uh so i'm gonna go and anticipate that shifting contrary to all the other short tracks that we go to where it's a negative i believe it's going to help New Hampshire. Gateway was good. Gateway it was should good. be a lot like Gateway. It's going to be a very, very much a similar look to Gateway, and I anticipate a great race. Now, um, it's usually pretty straightforward, but it also has turned into a, a fuel mileage race at times. So if it goes long towards the end of the towards the end of the race, there um, race towards the end of the race, uh, we saw Eric Amarola had a really fast car there last year, but also it turned into a fuel mileage race. So. Uh, you got to be fast, but you also have to get strategy. I like we a good fuel mileage race. Yeah. I mean, you got to sprinkle them in every now and then. Pocono. Always yeah. Love it. I'm excited yeah, yeah. about carrying tires for your modified. Oh, yeah. Modifieds. I'm running old. We'll uh, actually, we'll, let's talk about modifieds in this next segment because that is pit road boats and woes. Um, we're going to break down some New Hampshire stuff here right after this. All right, guys, that's enough about Atlanta. Moving on. Turn the page from the best weekend of my career to potentially an even better one. Who knows? It is called the Magic Mile, and I have found victory lane there before uh, in a K&N car. I've run there since my rookie year. I'd love to uh, I'd love to tell you my first cup experience at New Hampshire. But after this, let's break down. Let's break down what we anticipate going into the Magic Mile this weekend up in New Hampshire. Like I said, I anticipated being a good race. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's be good because the shifting, even though it hurts a lot of the short tracks, I believe will help New Hampshire make it a multi-groove racetrack and improve some passing. Who's the favorite, Merriman? Um, Kyle Busch. I would say Kyle Busch. Ooh. No, I would say Joe Logano. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, yep. Okay, I mean you got to also look at the people who ran strong at some of the races, uh, similar and and Gateway's probably one of the closest tracks that we have in terms of setup. For Loudon, and obviously Joe Logano got the dub there, but also beat out Kyle Busch. 
Yep. Uh, Kyle Busch has led 1,134 laps at Whoa. the Magic Mile. Kyle screwed up on the last restart at, at Gateway, in my opinion. And Joey beat him. So Correct. I, I Joey say, earned it. Took yeah, it from yeah. him. For sure. For sure. Both both those guys are good picks. And no matter when you look, Kyle Busch is always normally towards the front. He I bet he was the first car. Remember it was raining last year, and they really yeah, they were like uh, too late, too late uh, laps late for throwing the yellow, and Kyle Busch backed it in the fence. Yeah, and then yeah, both Gibbs the, cars wrecked together. Tried yeah. to rip the bumper off the pace car afterwards. Like it was Kip's fault. Fun times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kurt Busch, always a bit sneaky. Uh, I didn't know this stat until I just saw it. Chuck's brother has three dubs there uh, and has led 637 laps. That's a lot. Is that where the check the MF and damage quote came from back I when he was think driving? So was it for Roush or I forget? Yeah, that like the the clip that's yeah. yeah. There's damage on the left side of the car, and the spotter said something about it. he couldn't see it when Kurt was on pit road, and that's because it was on the left side of the car. Oh. It was, it's amazing. Yeah, I just love listening to old YouTube videos of Kurt Busch losing his mind. Uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. Like, it's like me how I deal with my kids. <laughs> Kurt's one of those guys in New Hampshire. Like, I feel like he always kind of runs well, but I feel like he runs well pretty much everywhere. I was like, you I'm biased. I know. Copy I get it. paste. But the one that, the, like, the one that I'm not necessarily sleeping on because we keep saying is like, maybe he's going to be there. Maybe this is the weekend that he does it. Kevin Harvick. Like, I, no he chance. is the no active. Chance. No, I agree. Um, the active leader uh, in terms of wins at New Hampshire with Kevin Harvick uh, with four. 22 top 10s. 22. Uh, so do I believe Harvick's going to be a contender? Yes. Do I believe Kevin Harvick is going to be a favorite when it comes to Loudon this weekend? I don't believe so. Now, my man knows how to get the job done. Obviously, he has been there four times and has 13 top fives to match. Do I see him? Uh, do I see that four-car SHR being strong enough to be uh, controlling the race? I do not. But I personally would like to see it because that four-car is in a win, a must-win situation right now. And I'm sure Rodney uh, Rodney Childers has been in victory lane not just with Kevin Harvick but also with Brian Vickers in that 55. Remember that uh, at the MWR car? So Rodney also has a great feel for the track. Would love to see that four-team get a dub this weekend. You look at Gateway, you know, Kurt Busch run third. And uh, Martin Truex Jr., he was uh, he was up front, but also in the top five. Martin Truex Jr. was sixth, but in fifth, Eric Almarola. And he come and snuck one out here last year. So He did. It, Dark horse pick, potentially. Could be, yeah. I mean, I just look at – He's in a must-win situation as well. Yeah, look at the one track that's a lot like this one. And, you know, the, the 14 won at Phoenix, which is, you know, a little bit of the same package. So the Fords are strong here. So. Yep. If a Ford wins, I hope it's us because it's getting close well, to 16 winners. But, Fords uh, have won every single race since 2018. That's a long time ago. Uh, so they've won. I don't know when we went down to one date. When did we go down to one date for 20, uh, for New Hampshire? Two, Two years, years ago. ago when we brought uh, Nashville so been, on, I think. There's been, uh, what, four, five, six races since then. So Fords have won all six. Um, let's just let's let's flip for it, shall we? Uh, what are we flipping for? Fords about to ask you. Ford Let's or, flip for Ford uh, or the field. Ford or the field. Bink. Uh, heads is Ford. It's, it's Ford. heads. It's going to be a Ford. 12 car. Uh, it's not going to be a 12 car. I uh, hate to tell you. I don't have to flip for that. Uh, he's going to no. wreck you. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. I'm going to find him in the food line. 
and uh, and rough him up. But yeah, we're waiting on that twelve to find his way in victory lane. He is the highest point uh, guy in terms of playoffs, but you never know, man. We've got a couple still wild cards coming up with the Glen, coming up with Pocono, Indy Road Course, Indy Daytona. Road Course, as well as Daytona, man. If you don't have a win right now. Man, you are doing everything you can do to try to get one. I do kind of want to see Denny get another win at New Hampshire just to see him uh, with the lobster trophy. There's some I mean, good he, photos of him. My man's terrified like, not, of lobsters. Well, yeah, yeah. The thing I love about New Hampshire is the fact that when you go up there, like the fans, one, love the place. They bring their wagons. But when you pull in there and you see the modified garage. Lot, the ground pounders. The ground pounders in the garage. And then, like, it's, it, it is – one of the small joys in my life just because it's like those are the guys that like they love this shit mm. like they're doing this not for not, the money not, not for, for the, the money TV. they're doing it for the joy of racing hell yeah and it shows and you can see that and that's always a good show at loudon like it's, it's i've heard somebody say it's a dog like fight dude they're daytona the almost yeah yeah it absolutely is uh, and those guys, I mean, modifies are quintessential New England, right? Because that's where all the big dogs race. That's where the stiffest competition races. Ryan's been going up to Stafford running SK modified. Like you have to go up there and beat those guys on their home turf. And New England, New Hampshire in particular, is their home turf. And I'm excited for the challenge. I'm running a uh, a car for a guy, Rob Fuller, who I've driven for a couple times, had some success with, and he's gonna be carrying tires. Got a couple buddies working on that thing, so I'm excited about it. That'd be my first time at Loudon in a modified. I've always wanted to do it. And this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, is my chance. So stay tuned. Hopefully we can get a dub there. Um, carry on the momentum from Atlanta. Who else is in that race that you're going to be going up against? Like, are there, I'm sure Priest is going to be in it. Priest. Uh, Newman will be there. He's won it a couple times. Um, Ronnie Silk's the points leader. He's like a cousin of yours. My dad, well, he's named Ronnie uh, because my dad's brother that passed away. My dad, Randy, my dad had a brother, Ronnie, who passed away in a car wreck when he was 16. Ronnie's best friend, Scott Silk, uh, had a son named him Ronnie because of that. Dad bought Ronnie his first SK Modified to race at Stafford. So Ronnie's been um, like kind of an older brother um to me and and always cool to see ronnie have the success he's had he's won a modified championship before he texted me this past week he was one of the guys as well that reached out so it'd be cool to rub some nerf bars with Gotta him be careful though run, run him up ronnie yeah he's He'll running up the fourth lane coming no doubt well i i've been run up enough the last six days he better not try me bon signor uh bon bobby S santos i mean there's top-notch race car drivers there there are very Doug good race Kobe. Car drivers. Yep, Doug Kobe's driving Tommy Ball, and he, he's got a strong car as always. And even the guys who you've never heard of, man, they will give you the Nerf bar and not think twice about it. And I love the fact this dog fight because sometimes cup racing, you get a little polished, right? You don't, you kind of file the edges off. You want to race everybody. You don't want to get any damage and hurt your stuff, and you can't bump into anybody. Modified, son, you got them front bumpers and Nerf bars, man. You just lay them the hammer, and we're going to be laying the hammer down. Sounds this like Chastain of <laughs> There's 36 Ross Chastains in the modified race, and I'm going to be one of them, ladies and gentlemen. And after that, we're going to be headed for the Am Better 301, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern on USA. You do not want to miss it. Uh, hopefully, we got another good uh, built bar camera back on the car this weekend, so I'm excited about that. I'm headed tonight, Chuck, out to Salt Lake City uh, to see those guys uh, hang out with them a bit. So I will be out in built in Salt Lake City. Wednesday, Thursday, come back, run me some modified races. Ground pounders. Ground pounders. 
Oh, before we sign off, how, how could I forget? We got some penny for your thoughts questions, and Janie, unfortunately, is not here, so we have to uh, really scrape the bottom of our monkfish stew pot for Charles. What do we got? <laughs> well, hopefully, Janie is out in Vegas collecting our awards for our award. We're an award-nominated podcast, but hang on, hang on. So let's not brush over that because we work hard uh, to be this desirable destination for your podcast listening yeah. ears. We are going up against Tom Brady. Uh-huh. Who? I don't know who else. That's There's two others. Right. Yeah, it's really only one that matters is Tom Brady. Uh, to be even lumped into the same podcast, Tom Brady's pretty damn cool. So hopefully uh, Janie went out to Vegas to bring home the hardware. I guess hopefully, we'll see. Hopefully we can deflate his podcast. Um, but anyway, there's some uh, – God, that was the whole, weak. It was bad. I just know. just know. ask the questions. Okay, Jesus. so from Goodyear Beagle, since the Gen 7 car has debuted, changes have been proposed to improve the racing product, example, underwing removal. How financially detrimental could a design slash part change be for teams as they already have inventories of these parts that would be the, that would then be unusable? Um, Here's the thing, man. If you're a cup team and you're concerned that much about adding a $7,500 underwing to your car, you probably should be racing the Xfinity Series. I mean, it's just everything's a financial. Racing in general is financially detrimental. So if there is a change that NASCAR feels like will provide better racing, you bite the bullet and you buy the part. I mean, does it, does it, is it real money? But yes, they also make real money on the back end from TV money. So part of the gig. All right. Uh, Kyle Barkley asked this question. Question, not questions. Guys. Hey, can I just say something? Janie's way better at reading. I know she is. I'm not a reader. I'm a doer. (laughs) I don't, I don't read. I'm I'm not a good reader. You're literally the NASCAR What do you mean? You are the the NASCAR driver's meeting video. I prep before I read. I I didn't read the, I didn't read that one before. I I can tell. You don't prep for this. Read the damn question. No, not at all. All Try to read the question. I like to pet the pretty kitty. (laughs) 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 This is bullshit. Why he get all the easy ones? (laughs) From Kyle Barkley. Guys have said this car is a lot stiffer chassis-wise than past cars. Can you personally feel a difference in the seat going over the curbing, etc., compared to the old car? I read that one right. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, because when you hit one of those red blocks, especially at a, at a road course, it it's fairly jarring because the only thing that you would drag with the old car would be like the track bar mount or like the cross member, maybe the truck arm uh, cross members or mounts. Now, you literally hit straight chassis. So, it doesn't feel drastically different than the than the past car, but the the areas that you hit are under your feet and under your butt. So yes, it's a a bit more uh, a bit more rigid whenever you go over the bumps. But you know that's part of it. It's probably a lot worse for those guys who aren't using a joy of seating custom made seat. Yes, it is. Yeah, those guys that have the other competitor seats, I feel for them because if my they use like the Econ- Econoline seat, then they're really feeling it. <laughs> I don't like that last one, Chuck, so we're just going to go on to my penny That's my favorite question. (laughs) I could have nailed that read in no time. Like from Logan Doherty, American flag. Do these wider tires make passing harder? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) And moving on. 
Here's the thing that makes passing harder. When the gap between the cars is considerably less than it has been ever in the history of NASCAR, it makes passing harder. Also, something that makes passing harder is when the guy in front of you is faster. Let me answer. That's Logan. a great thing. Let me be nice and answer, Logan. The tires are wider, but have left sidewall, so the grip is about the same. Yep. That's why they're wider because they have left sidewall, and that's why you're here. Yep. So sorry for being a dick, Logan. I I am, and I'm not. <laughs> um. <laughs> God, you guys. <laughs> Who's that penny stacker this week? None other, my friends, yeah. than Rick Ross, the boss. Oh, Ricky Rose. Now, there aren't many guys that like I genuinely want to go seek out and say hey to a racetrack. I went and went out of my way to find The Undertaker at Coda because my man's a stud. When you're in the A and Rick Ross is at the track, you go find the boss. So – I saw he was there. Michael Irvin was there, a couple wrestlers, but the only one I really cared to see was Rick Ross. They do the driver introductions. I walk across the stage, walk down there, and all those all those guys were hanging out. I think Quavo was there too, maybe. Um, but Rick Ross is there. He's got his Chevrolet Heartbeat of America shirt on. My man's a big car guy, owner of a Jimmy Johnson championship car. Anyways, I wanted to go say hey to my favorite rapper, Rick Ross. So I walk up to him, I'm walking by, and he's kind of facing me. I'm like, Rose! And he gets uh, three inches from my face. And he says, what it do, baby? We going to get it done today. And I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to get it done today. He says, I've dropped the seven card, by the way, because I'm sure you don't know who I am. I'm sure the only person he knew there was Bubba. But little did he know, Rick Ross gave me the motivation about winning that Atlanta race. That was the difference. You were hustling. Hustling. On the track in Atlanta. Hustling. Shut up, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> love that song. <laughs> yes. I would love a Rick Ross song to be the opening of this podcast, but we can't afford the copyrights because we're just stacking pennies. Dude, uh, ton of stacking pennies. Get a couple pennies. more wins and maybe uh, we can. Ton of stacking pennies. People on Pit Road Honorable mentioned they're not Rick Ross, but the people from Dawsonville with the stack of penny sign. Banner. What how they feel today? Chris Brown and Dusty Lowry. They came over and they were excited. So Chris a lot Brown? Of, yeah, that was his name. Not the singer. Different Chris oh. Brown. Mm. Didn't look anything alike. Hmm. And I have a new fire suit with Thompson on the back. And Curtis Thompson, who's on the two car now that wears the floor, his fire suit says, I didn't mind wearing a fire suit, but now everybody asks me if I'm. Now everybody stops and asks me if I'm on a freaking podcast. And I'm over it. Famous, <laughs> <laughs> man. Hey, Stack and Penny is doing big things, and you guys are doing big things too. We appreciate you guys. Each and every week, make sure you tweet us your questions, hashtag Penny for your thoughts, but also. Uh, we don't ask you to do – I don't ask you to do very much besides cheer for me when we're about to have that seven car in the wind, uh, which doesn't happen very often. So in between that time, I ask you to go like, download, subscribe, rate, review, all the things of our podcast. That way they continue to let us keep doing this thing and make sure also – make sure you tune into Spare Change dropping this Sunday about my favorite New Hampshire stories. And watch us. 3 p.m. on USA Network. This weekend we are at New Hampshire – Appreciate you guys. Big week. Thanks for all the tech support, listens, all the stuff from Atlanta. And we will continue to grind this thing out. And I'm going to be in victory lane. I just don't know when it is, but I came a hell of a lot closer than I ever thought I would this weekend. Just one step in a road. Talk to you all next week.